0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to take this off. Matthew chapter 18. And because it's a holiday weekend, most likely, there's a little bit smaller group here, so I'm going to invite some participation from you, the congregation. So if I ask a question and I pause, I'm looking for someone to raise their hand and I'll call on you. Now, I will give preference to those of you who are under the age of 18, so 17 and under. How many of you think you're 17 or younger? Okay, recently I saw that hand, worn. Recently someone came to me and they said, <laughs> recently someone came to me, a, a lady came and she said, I heard that you were telling everyone how old I was. Well, the first thing that went in my head is, I don't even know how old this lady is. So I'll let you self-identify as far as age is concerned, is my point. If you wanna answer, Sheila, as, as uh, younger than 18, you can do that, okay? Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read to you verses 21 through the end of the chapter. You may know this story well. If you do, please follow along carefully as I read. If as I'm reading you this story, you're like, I don't ever remember hearing this story before. Pay close attention because Jesus is going to give us a a story. I believe it to be a parable. He says that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain man. And uh, in this story, we find some important truths about our own lives and about how we treat others particularly. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me that thou owest." And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, "Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all." And he would not. That is the man who was owed money the man who wanted his, his, his uh, friend to pay him, he would not have patience, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Father, thank you for this passage. There's important lessons for us to learn. And uh, Lord, you know our hearts. Um, We are not prone to forgive. We are prone to harbor grudges. We are prone to become bitter. We are prone to keep track of the injustices that have been done to us. And we ask for your grace to release those to you and to forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask, Lord, that you would give us a church that is a church that forgives each other, a church that loves each other enough to say, I forgive you. And uh, we ask, Father, for those that are struggling with bitterness, that you would release them from that tonight. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, go back with me to verse 21. And here's Peter's question, how often do I need to forgive my brother? How often do I need to forgive my brother? How many of you grew up with a brother or a sister that was in two or three years uh, of your age? Okay, how many of you just loved that relationship? That was just the funnest thing you ever did growing up. Okay, good. A couple of you, I see your hand, Bella. Good, I'm going to give you extra points, extra candy tonight because you're, you're on the right track. I did not like growing up with brothers. I had two younger brothers and they were pests and uh, they would do things to irritate me and then when I responded, then I got in trouble. And I'd say, but mom, did you see what they did to me first? Of course, you didn't see what they did, had done to me first. And I did not like growing up with brothers. So there was a lot of uh, unforgiveness among the three of us. Like I said, I had two younger brothers. And so this is a very common, uh, Jesus knows exactly where Peter's headed with this, right? How many times do I have to forgive my brother? Now, how many times, What what is Jesus' answer to Peter? What's his initial answer to Peter? Again, looking for someone younger than 12 years, old, uh, younger than 18 years old, what's Jesus' initial response Peter so raise your hand so I can call on you I see that hand Jonah he's looking around (laughs) notice he says you should forgive your brother 70 times 7 now who can do quick math here what's 70 times 7 anyone 490 times do you think Jesus wanted Peter to count and when he got to 489 to start to plot his revenge How many of you think, yes, that's what Jesus wanted Peter to do? Okay, how many of you say, no, that's not what Jesus wanted Peter to do? Okay, here's the point. If you are keeping track of how many times somebody has offended you, you have a problem. I, I knew a man one time. He was at a difficult job. There was a lot of, you know, people who are heathen, people who are not saved, they don't operate on biblical principle. And they will mistreat you. They will lie about you. They will falsely accuse you. They'll uh, slander you. They will sabotage. Sometimes they'll even sabotage your work. And uh, this fellow was working in one of those hostile environments. They were not hostile to him because he was a Christian. They were just hostile to him because they were bad people. And guess what he was doing? He was keeping track of all the bad things that they were doing to him. That is not a healthy way for a Christian to live. So the whole point, if you're keeping track and you say, yeah, but I'm at 487, you can't tell me I have to stop now, then you've missed the point. And to emphasize this truth, Jesus tells this, this parable. And uh, in this parable, there's a, there's a king, and uh, he starts to go through the books to find out who owes him money, and he finds out there's a servant that owes him, according to the text here, 10,000 talents. Now, it's hard to always, biblical money's hard to, 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 um, to quantify exactly in dollars, but this is literally tens or maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars that the servant owes him. I mean, it's just a huge amount. It's not something that this servant is going to earn in his lifetime. It's not something this ser- servant can ever pay off. So someone who is paying attention to the reading, raise your hand and tell me, what was the king's initial solution to being owed 10,000 talents by this fellow? Maybe someone under 18 first. Anyone out there notice? What, 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 what did the king decide to do to this fellow because he owed so much money? Okay, no one under 18. Patty. Well, you might be under 18, Patty. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Patty, what did the king decide to do? To sell him, his wife, his family. So... Yeah. They lived in, in Jesus' time. They were slaves. And there was no bankruptcy. There was no bankruptcy court. Uh, If you owed someone enough money, they could literally sell you into slavery and take whatever little bit. Now, was the king going to get 10,000 talents for selling this family into slavery? The answer is no. So even that would not have made up for what the servant owed. But he owes this, let's call it tens of millions of dollars. Tens of millions of dollars, the, the king says, listen, you can't pay, so I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children into slavery. Okay, what, again, I hope you've read. If you didn't read, read ahead a little bit. What is the servant's solution to this problem? Notice what the servant's solution is. What is the servant's initial solution to this problem? Um, it is in verse uh, 26. Someone under the age of 18, raise your hand. There it is, uh, Mia. Well, yeah, he did. He fell down, showed that he was submitted. He, he understood the king had every right to sell him into slavery. And what did he ask from the king, Hattie? Patience. Be patient with me. Now, let's, let's think about this here. If the king is patient with this man, is he ever going to pay back the tens of millions of dollars that he owes him? And the answer is no. Actually, this is not a solution. Okay, now I know what's in the servant's heart, right? Somehow I'm going to work this. I can't let him sell me and my wife and my children into slavery, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. Just have patience with me. And the king, it says, in verse 27, he was moved with compassion. He saw a servant. The servant's in a bad place. There's nothing the servant can do and and having patience with him is only going to put him under pressure and he's never going to pay this off. So the king comes back with a different solution. The servant's request is, have patience with me and I'll pay it all back to you. And the king says, I've got a better idea. Again, one of the children, one of the teenagers... What, and the reason I'm doing this, uh, parents, is so that kids pay attention, okay? See who's really paying attention. What is the king's second solution? First was, I'm gonna sell him and his wife and his children into slavery. The servant says, no, 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 just give me some more time and I'll pay you off. He isn't, but he's asked for that. The king says, now I got a better idea. What is the king's second solution there? Yes, Isabel, Bella. He said, look, I'll just forgive it. The whole amount, the 10,000 talents that you can never repay, I'm just gonna forgive it. Now, this is not the point of this parable, but let's step aside from this parable for a second. What is this an analogy of in our spiritual lives? What is this an analogy of in our spiritual lives? Maybe one of the adults. Yes, Nan? Yeah. Here I owed a sin debt to God that I was never going to be able to pay. I could go to God and say, give me 10,000 years. The longer I live, the worse it gets. By the way, if you owed somebody $10 million and they were just charging you 5% interest, do you know what the interest would be every year on that? He was. It was just literally going to get worse the longer it took him to pay this king back. And that's what we are as As as, uh, unbelievers, before we are children of God, every day we're just adding to our sin debt. We owe God more and more and more, and we can never repay it. Even if we could stop sinning, does doing good works make up for the bad that we've done? And the answer is no. So this is a great analogy of what God did for us When he looked down on us and he had compassion, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him and Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't say, okay, tell you what, I'll reduce it to $100,000 so you can get it paid off. He didn't say that. He said, I forgive it all, all of it. Think about this now, back to our parable. When the servant walks in to meet the king, how much does he owe the king? Javen, when the servant walks in, how much does he owe the king? Too much. 10,000 talents. When he walks out, how much does he owe the king? Aaron? Nothing. Let that sink in. The king had just forgiven him 10,000 talents. Tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. I forgive you. You don't owe me anything. And what does the servant do? Let's pick it up. Maybe you missed it when we read it the first time. Verse 28, but the same servant went out. Okay, so the idea in this parable is not like five days later or 10 days later or two years later, but he went out and he found one of his fellow servants, which owed him 100 pence. Now, 100 pence, If typically when you see pence in the Bible, think one day's wage. So 100 pence is a significant amount of money. It's what you'd earn in about a third of a year. It's what you'd earn in about three months' time. So it's not some, it's not bus money, right? It's not money to go buy yourself a hamburger. It's a significant amount of money. But is it anywhere near 10,000 talents? No. Nowhere near 10,000 talents. I mean, it's not even a comparison, right? No comparison. But this servant, he goes out, he finds his fellow servant that owes 100 pence, and he lays hands on him, and he took him by the throat. Can I have a volunteer? I want to illustrate this. No, I'm just teasing. That's not true. He grabs this guy by the throat, and he says, you owe me a hundred pence, and I want my money now. Now, this second servant, the man who owes a hundred pence, what is his initial solution to the problem? Somebody again, raise your hand. What's his initial solution to the problem? Yes, Caleb? Yeah, give me more time. (laughs) I'll pay it back. Doesn't that remind you of the First servant who said, hey, to the Lord, give me more time. I'll pay back the tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, which he could never repay. But is it possible that this second servant could have repaid the hundred pence in time? And the answer is yes. Maybe take him a little while, you know, some creative financing, but he could have paid it back. And what is the first servant? The servant who's been forgiven 10,000 talents, hundreds of millions of dollars, What is his response to that first servant? Mia again. He's going to throw this guy in jail. Now, the idea, again, there's no bankruptcy courts in this time. And he's not going to sell him into slavery, which was the king's first solution. Instead, he says, I'm going to put you in prison. And you're going to have to sit there in prison until you pay the money back. And while he's sitting there in prison, he's going to be tormented. And the idea is your friends will feel badly for you. Your family will feel badly for you. They'll realize you're in prison, being tormented every day, and they'll raise the hundred pence right away, and they'll pay off your debt, and then you can be released. Now, we don't do that here in the United States, and I'm so glad we don't. Uh, but that was a solution that the first servant suggests For the second servant, I'm just gonna throw you in prison and you're gonna be tormented until you can pay it all off. So, what happens next? Some of the other servants see what's happened. And they go and tell somebody. You got servant number one, he's been forgiven. 10,000 talents. You've got servant number two. He's been thrown in jail. And now you have this other group of servants. They see what happens. And who do they go tell? Uh, Mia, you've answered a lot of questions. I'm going to find someone. There is someone else. Cutler. They go back to the king. And they tell him what's happened. And what does the king decide? He says in verse 32, After that he had called servant number one, he said unto him, O oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Listen to what he says. I forgave you all that money simply because you asked. Because that's what you wanted. I didn't owe that money to you. You didn't offer me something in return. You just said, hey, I need time and I felt badly for you so I forgave all that debt. Then verse 33, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth, the king was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due him. And we know already, how long is it going to take that servant, servant number one, to pay back 10,000 talents? The answer is, never. He's going to spend the rest of his life being tormented. Now, let's draw a few quick lessons from this. And We're going to be a little bit shorter tonight. It's a holiday weekend and I appreciate your faithfulness to be out. I don't need to harangue you all night. Uh, Point number one, do you realize how much God has forgiven you? Luke 7 tells a story about uh, a Pharisee named Simon and he invites Jesus into his home and while Jesus is in the home, a lady comes and she bathes Jesus' feet with her tears and dries it with her hair and the The man, the Pharisee thinks to himself, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he would not let her touch him. And Jesus tells a quick story there that's similar to this. And he says, you know, one guy was forgiven a lot of money. Another guy was forgiven a little bit of money. Which one would love the the master more? And Simon answers rightly, well, the guy who's been forgiven a lot of money loves God a lot, loves the master a lot. And Jesus says to Simon, I came into your house. You didn't even take time to wash my feet, to have a servant wash my feet. And here this woman has come in and washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her own hair because she loves much. The one who's been forgiven much loves much, Jesus says in that true event that happened. I'm convinced that oftentimes we don't love God because we don't realize how much we've been forgiven. We, we like to think of ourselves as pretty good people, right? I'm a, I don't know how many times I've been talking to a man about his soul, and he'll say something like, I'm a good father. Th- that's not enough. And maybe he is a good father in our society, I mean, compared to other people. Maybe he is, but being a good father, he still owes God, spiritually speaking, tens of millions of dollars. Now, obviously, sin, you can't pay for your sin. That's not, I'm just using quantities, So you get the idea. He owes God far more than he can ever repay, even if he is a good father. People will say, well, you know, I I love God. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe you love God. I'm not going to argue with that, but you can never pay off the sin debt that you have. And even to this day, you and I didn't pay our sin debt. Jesus paid our sin debt for us. And that ought to motivate us to love God. Number one. Number two, because God has forgiven us, we ought to forgive other people. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 where he states this lesson plainly, Ephesians 4.32. Some of you children probably know it, you've memorized it here in your short life. If you know this verse, say it with me. If you have it in front of you in your Bible, read it with me, Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Why does God call us to, according to this verse here, why does God call us to forgive others? Why does God call us to forgive others? Yes, Franklin, because God forgave us. Who am I? to hold a grudge, or to be offended at a fellow Christian and not forgive when God's forgiven me. And what did I do to God? Horrible, heinous sin, offense, compared to what my brother did to me, which was, you know, yeah, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. Here, this man in our parable, he owes, the first servant, he owes 10 Thousand talents and he's forgiven, but he won't forgive a hundred pence. And again, a hundred pence is some sum of money. It's not like bus fare. Okay, I get that. But he won't forgive this fellow over here a hundred pence when he's just been forgiven ten thousand talents. And do we treat people that way? I know I've I've treated people that way. We call it bitterness. We call it bitterness when I refuse to forgive someone who has offended me. By the way, does a person need to ask for my forgiveness for me to forgive them? And the answer is no. I can release them from their offense. Now, God w- will be the judge. Understand, I'm not, I don't know what the consequences would be, but I can release them from their offense before they ever ask me for forgiveness. And I'm called to do that, to forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave me. Now, notice what he says in verse 35, back to Matthew 19. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now, I want you to understand what the, the point Jesus is making. The point Jesus is making is not if you do not forgive, you will not get to heaven because that would be works, right? I have to forgive others in order to be forgiven myself. So I'm going to set that explanation aside. But I will tell you this. I have found often that people, that Christians who are bitter and they refuse to forgive their fellow Christian, they do not feel and sense God's forgiveness for their sin. They're often busy trying to make up to God. They they know God has forgiven them and they they get the the general concept but they're they're trying to make up to God and the reason they're trying to make up this sin to God is because they haven't forgiven others. They have trouble understanding that God's forgiven them freely. They're holding on to these offenses that people have done to them and so they think, well, God must be holding on to some portion of the offense that I've done to him. And I know that I can't make it all up to him but I've got to make some of it up to him. You should not be driven by guilt to serve God. If you think, well, you know, I know God uh, loves me and I know he's forgiven me, but I got to work hard to earn his favor, to earn his forgiveness. You don't understand how this works. Because in our parable, why does the king forgive the man 10,000 talents? Because he desired it, because he asked for it. Because that was what he wanted He didn't have to go, the king king did not say to the man, okay, I forgive you, but now you need to go out and do. He didn't say that at all. When he walked in, he owed 10,000 talents. When the servant walked out, he owed zero. That's God's forgiveness. And God has forgiven you too. God's forgiven me, not because I'm a good man, not because I pastor a church or I'm a father. No, no, no. God's forgiven me because he's a merciful God. And I have got to, I've got to accept that forgiveness. I can hold on to my guilt. I can be trying to make up for uh, my sinfulness. Now, it, it doesn't work that way. I don't want you to misunderstand, but I can, I can have this, this feeling of, I, I've got to work harder if God's going to forgive me. And often I have found, in my experience, that a person who refuses to forgive his fellow brothers and sisters who have offended him, he has trouble understanding that he's been forgiven by God. He thinks, well, I've worked hard to earn God's forgiveness. So-and-so needs to work hard to earn my forgiveness. And that's not the way it works. I don't forgive people because they come back and they ask for my forgiveness. I don't forgive people because uh, uh, they do something nice for me. They give me a, a gift or, you know, they invite me over to their house. Or I don't forgive people for those reasons. I forgive people. I'm called to forgive people. I have to remind myself to forgive people because God has forgiven me. It really is that simple. And as I release people from their offenses to me, I say, God, you know, that person really hurt me. I was very distraught when that happened. We're not talking about small offenses. Again, the guy did owe 100 pence. There was something there. I, I was very distraught when this person offended me. I was hurt. But God, I give all that hurt to you and ask for your grace to have a loving heart towards that brother or sister in Christ. And God's grace is always sufficient. Now, there are times someone who was telling me this is their experience in this last week. There are times I think I've forgiven someone, and then my flesh wants to bring it up again. Wants to get me all worked up and ah, angered and hurt, and I don't want to talk to that person. And I have to go back to God, and I have to say, God, you know, I, I thought I forgave that person, but evidently I haven't. I need more grace. And God's grace is always sufficient. So here's my point. If you say, well, yeah, I just struggle to forgive because I talked to God and it just keeps coming back. Just keep going back to God. Take every opportunity of of that bitterness coming up in your heart to go back to God and and give it back to God. Because God wants you to forgive others. And here's my point. As you freely forgive your brothers and sisters, and sometimes over and over and over, because they keep doing the same thing over and over and over. What was the first question that that Peter started this whole conversation with? How many times do I have to forgive my brother? Jesus, the guy, is an idiot. He keeps doing the same stupid, hurtful thing over and over. How many times do I have to forgive him? That's where the conversation started. As I find God's grace is sufficient for me to forgive someone over and over and over. Guess what? I begin to experience just a little bit. Again, it's, it's like the ocean in a swimming pool, but I begin to experience just a little bit of what God does when he forgives me over and over and over. Because I don't know about you, but I need God's mercies to, to be new every morning. I need God's help. I need God's forgiveness every day. And if God's willing to forgive me every day, I ought to be willing to forgive a fellow human being every day, if need be. Now, again, it's not easy. There's no magic formula, say this or do that, and then you'll feel feel peace. But I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient. And if you're willing to keep going back to God and saying, God, I need help again today to forgive so-and-so, then God will give you grace to forgive so-and-so again that day. And the more you forgive others, the more freely and quickly you forgive others, the closer you get to what you experience when God says, I forgive you. Because God's forgiveness for me is immediate, isn't it? God doesn't say to me, well, you know, you asked for that forgiveness yesterday. You're going to have to, you need to think about this for a few days. So we shouldn't say to our brother or sister, well, you know, you've offended me twice in a row now. You need, you know, I'm not going to forgive you for the second time just yet. The the more freely and the more quickly I forgive, the closer I get to what God is doing for me every day when he forgives me freely and quickly. And you know what? That forgiveness, this is not in our story, although it is related to uh, Peter's question about his brother. That forgiveness is what makes for harmony in a family or in a church. But let's start with the family. You know why so, there's so much friction and drama in some families? Because we don't really forgive each other. And my brother or my sister or my wife or my child or my parent, whatever, hurt me, so I'm going to look for ways to hurt them. And then I hurt them, and what are they doing? Well, I'm going to get that person back. And it becomes a blood feud that just keeps going. There's not going to be harmony in a family because the family is perfect. Perfect. There's going to be harmony in a family because the family is, are, the family members are good forgivers. I sort of think of it like your engine in your car. Do not do this. But if you go home and you drain all the oil out of your engine, how far will you be able to drive before that engine will burn up? I know someone who can tell you. Not very far. The oil in the engine... Protects all those moving parts, so the engine can run, literally almost defying physics. So much heat and motion in, in that engine, and yet it never burns up because there's oil in there. And your family, what our families need is they need good forgivers, people who know how to access God's grace, so they can freely forgive. That's what we need in our families. That's what we need in our church. And as far again, as far as I know, I'm not preaching this because someone out there is holding a grudge that I know about. If I knew you were holding a grudge, I'd come to you and I'd I'd help you with it. But I'm preaching this because I know even in a a good church, what happens? Somebody gets offended. They tell their friend about this offense. And then the friend takes up the offense because now they're offended. Right? And then we gang up on the offender and we verbally, we'd never beat him up in real life. But, you know, verbally we constantly attack him. And pretty soon the church divides up into these little camps. Well, I'm on so-and-so's side and I'm on so-and-so's side. We don't need to take sides. We don't need camps. What we need is we need good forgivers at Elmira Baptist Church. People say, boy, that, that was a really hurtful comment. And, uh, and And by the way, there's room. If somebody offends you, there's room for you to go to them and say, hey, what you said was very hurtful to me. What you did was very hurtful to me. And if someone ever comes to you with that spirit, even if you didn't mean to hurt them, and this has happened to me before I say something I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to show some concern and, and it comes out wrong and they, they take some offense and they come to and they say, Pastor, I can't believe you said this. I don't need to defend myself. I can just say, hey, you're right. I, I see that. I, forgive me. I can say it wasn't intentional. It wasn't, but forgive me. Here, here's my point. When we have a church like that where people are quick to forgive, it's like the oil in the engine of that car. That car can run hot. There can be a lot of moving parts and it won't blow up. But without that oil of forgiveness, guess what happens? Pretty soon the engine seizes up and nothing's working. And God has blessed us here at Elmira Baptist Church with the spirit of unity, and I'm glad for that. But it's not because we're a bunch of perfect people. It's because we've learned that we've got to forgive, and we've got to have God's grace to forgive each other. So let's keep working at that. And if you have a friend here at Elmira who comes to you and they've got got an offense, they're hurt, they're bothered, remind them there's room for them to go back to the offender and talk with him. But regardless of the offender's response, what God calls us to do is to forgive. And I've argued with God about this before. I'm just going to tell you my human side. I've said, God, I'll forgive that person when they come to me and they ask for forgiveness. And God says, no, 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 that's not the way this works. Just learn to access God's grace. I need God's grace. You need God's grace to forgive. And good families, healthy families, good churches, healthy churches are made up of good forgivers. Not perfect people, good forgivers. Father, thank you for this uh, parable. It's always helped me to see myself as that first servant, owing you millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, unable to pay, and you said, I forgive it all. And then as soon as I leave, I see someone who owes me a few dollars, even hundreds of dollars, even thousands of dollars, and then I think that I can take them by the neck and I can demand that they make it right. Father, forgive me for my bitterness and my lack of forgiveness. I pray that you continue to pour out your grace on Elmira Baptist Church so that we continue to forgive others and love others Father, when someone does come to us with an offense, help us to listen. Teach us to be genuinely contrite, to understand their side, to see their hurt, and to ask for their forgiveness. Help us when, when our offender will not ask for forgiveness or, or maybe is, is gone and, and can't ask for our forgiveness, help us to forgive anyway. and Particularly, Lord, those who struggle with bitterness, help us when we struggle every day to just give it to you again give it to you again, give it to you again, and find fresh grace to forgive. Lord, we are so grateful for your unlimited and free and immediate forgiveness for us. We don't deserve your goodness to us. We're just thankful that you forgive us. We give you, again, our own hearts, asking you to change us into the image of Jesus Christ the one who said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.